Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? Well, um, hope y'all will be uh, praying for good to triumph over evil tonight down in Houston. Um, <laughs> if you're an Astros fan, sorry about that. Not sorry, no. All right, um, we'll be friends after the series is over again, though, but anyway. All right, man, we're going to be in, uh, that had nothing to do with anything. I just thought I'd throw that out there for free. Um, Acts 24 is where we're going to be, and we're going to talk about, um, Paul did something kind of unexpected in chapter 23, and that is he throws out and exercises his right as a Roman citizen. And not only that, but the, the, the you know, there's a, a riot going on, and the, the Jews, his people, are trying to tear him apart. And a, a Roman commander sends in troops to, to stop it and to get him out. And they don't know. You know, at this point, there's, there's no um, Roman law against Christianity. There's no hostility there. Uh, the Romans, when they would take over an area, would basically let locals do what locals did. And so they were fine with the Jews worshiping in the temple. And the, the, the early church met usually at the synagogue and was really closely associated with the Jewish faith. And so the Romans just saw it as a family squabble. But here's this riot going on. And so they pull Paul out and they figure, well, he must have done some really terrible things. So he says, flog him and let's see what he did. You know, at some point he'll admit it. And then Paul says, well, is it legal for you to, to beat a Roman citizen without a trial? And it was really interesting to me that when the commander heard that, he was actually afraid. And that's because Roman law really was, was uh, designed to protect the individual, the citizen. And our laws, really more than any other system in the world, are reflective of the Roman law. And that's that the, uh, the, the individual must be protected from the, the government or whatever else, that there are rights. And it, it was just kind of interesting, you know, Paul didn't say, well, I'm going to pray. He invoked his rights as a citizen. And it began a whole sequence of events. From this point on, he is in Roman control. And, and it's different than it was before in that before he was just arguing with the Jews. But now he's, uh, he's in the government system, okay? And, you know, obviously he was proud of being a Roman citizen. I mean, he didn't say it with shame, and he invoked his rights as a Roman citizen. And it, it really kind of, it, it's interesting to kind of see that dynamic, and we're going to talk about that some today. And, and one of the things that, you know, as a pastor I've struggled with through the years is, is this question of, you know, you have to be careful in that, man, I, I love my country. I mean, I, I, I was... I was born here, um, you know, born by God's plan in, in the United States and then Southern by his grace. I was born in the South. So, you know, some of y'all, y'all don't, come on now. We don't have that many people transplanted from the North. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, I, I loved the way I was born. I mean, I, it, it runs in my blood. I mean, there was my great, 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 great grandfather was Colonel John Bond, and he fought in the, at the Battle of Cowpens in, 
in South Carolina. It was one of the turning points of the war. And uh, it's a, the battle that is yeah, semi-accurately portrayed in the movie The Patriot. You know, he was there. And so that's part of my, part of my lineage. And I love my country. I love being American. I mean, when I, you know, the, the, I stand when the flag flies and the anthem plays. And, and uh, I, I just like many of you, I get angry when I see people tearing down our country or burning our flag or things going on overseas or us being, I mean, it, it, it makes my blood boil. But then there's also this, this other thing. You know, I can also remember, you know, when, when I was early in the ministry, you know, you'd go around and you'd talk to people and try to talk to them about Christ. And they go, well, yeah, I'm Christian. I mean, I was born in America. And I'd be like, okay, bro, that's not the same thing. And, you, you know, you kind of, there's a, there's a tension there sometimes between those two things. Because I want my country to do well, and, and I love my country. But then there's times where the things my country does are conflicting with the things of God. And, you know, I have to, where am I going to place my energy you know, there's nothing wrong in trying to make America um, a, a country that honors God. I mean, I'd love nothing more than if you drove through Weatherford every Sunday and every single business was closed because everybody's in church. I mean, I, I might be, I mean, it might be a little inconvenient because I like getting something to eat after church. I'd like some of y'all do. I, I get it. But I'd love it. I mean, I'd love it if we were really the Christian nation that, we, that, that some of our founding fathers at least intended us to be, and I think most of them. I'd love that. But now it's like, okay, you know, I, I want us to be the best nation in the world, but I also understand, you know what, I, I've got, a, I got a, a loyalty that supersedes being American, and so did Paul. And so I want us to talk about that, because that, that can be a hard thing. You know, and, and I think a, a question that Christians have to ask themselves periodically are, am I American Am I an American that's kind of, you know, influenced by Christ? Or am I a Christian that, that has some, uh, you know, American, has a little bit of red, white, and blue in me? And we got to be careful about that one. Because there can come a time where those things can be in conflict. And the other part of that is, I, I, like, I like winning. I don't know about y'all. I mean, if there's, if you, is there anybody here just like, dude, I, I love to lose at everything I do. I like losing. I mean, I like investing and coming back with less money than I started with. I like whenever we play a game, I like everybody else to win, and I get just thumped. I love it when my team gets beat and doesn't make the playoffs every year. I mean, I love, is there anybody, nobody loves that. We all like winning. But here's the deal about winning. When it comes to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God's going to win. It's in the back of the book. And I don't mean to, I'm not saying this to be negative or scary because I don't know why, but when it comes to that last book, I can't find America in there. Now, I don't know if that's just because at that point we're not a major player in the world or if we don't even exist, I don't have any idea. I don't know. But I know when Jesus comes back, being American ain't gonna matter. I know that. It's for now. Now, I want... I would love to pass down the very best country that I possibly could to my kids. I, would, I want them to be able to live in freedom. I want them to be able to, to worship the God of their, that they choose as long as it's 
you know, the one I teach them, all right? <laughs> I want them to follow that guy, and they already, you know, they already know the Lord, so that, I want them to be able to worship. I want them to be able to speak freely about the things of God. I want them to enjoy some of the freedoms that I've enjoyed growing up in this country. But you know what? There's, we have to be careful not to mix those two things beyond a certain point. And so we'll want to talk about that. And so we're going to talk about the system. And, you know, Paul, when he, when he throws out that he's a Roman citizen, it changes everything now. Now he's, he's going to be judged by the, gov- the government, as we might say. And so we're going to start out actually in the chapter before. I want to read to you first from Acts 23, verses 31 through 35. And if you would please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. So that night is ordered. The soldiers took Paul as far as Antipatris. They returned to the fortress the next morning while the mounted troops took him on to Caesarea. When they arrived in Caesarea, they presented Paul and the letter to Governor Felix. He read it and then asked Paul what province he was from. He's uh, verifying his Roman citizenship. Cilicia, Paul answered. I will hear your case myself when your accusers arrive, the governor told him. Then the governor ordered him kept in the prison at Herod's headquarters. Thank you. You may be seated. So he's being protected and also restrained by the government at this point. And there's a couple things about the, the, the system, the system of government that I want us to see. You know, the, we're going to get to what Paul talks about, about submitting to government authorities, but we also need to kind of understand what government authorities are. You know, there are, there are people that are, that are elected. In, in Rome, most of them were appointed, but they were all people. And you can't expect people to be completely objective about everything. They're going to have opinions. They're going to have views. You know, and we... Uh, you know, you see people go to Washington here in our country and, you know, there, there's people up there that I've known personally for 30 years and, and then there's people I have no idea about. And so there's all kinds of folks that you see up there. And there are dangers to being in a position of influence and power. And in Acts 24, it says, you know, Felix, here's the case. The Jews come and they, they present their case by Tertullus, a lawyer, and he presents the charges against Paul, and then Paul answers them. And Felix is going to decide the case, supposedly. And it says, so he tells him, okay, thanks, I'll decide it later. So in Acts 24, it says, a few days later, Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. Sending for Paul, they listened as he told them about faith in Christ Jesus. As he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control and the coming day of judgment, Felix became frightened. Go away for now, he replied. When it is more convenient, I'll call you again. First thing I want you to see is that Paul, in this case, he's not necessarily arguing about his case or his freedom. He's sharing the gospel. He's taking it as an opportunity to share the truth of the gospel. So he also hoped, this is Felix, that Paul would bribe him. So he sent for him quite often and talked with him. After two years went by in this way, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. And because Felix wanted to gain favor with the Jewish people, he left Paul in prison. Okay, so there's three things you can get from the government system. It doesn't move very fast. 
Two years later, Paul's still in the same place, no decisions. The second thing is that people, even in government, can be influenced. What did he want? He wanted a bribe. He wanted Paul to bribe him. And those kind of dangers exist today, whether it's by promises of jobs when they get out of certain government roles. Um, To me, I, I would still like some answers to the mystery of how people go up there and they have to disclose how much they're worth and they're worth, you know, 200 grand or whatever. And then they're there for 10 years. And all of a sudden, after having made 150 or $100,000 a year, they're worth like $59 billion when they get out. I'd like to know how this magically happens. I don't know. I'm just saying that's something we might ought to keep, a, keep an eye on. So I don't know where it comes from. I know there's ways people are bribed, whether it's you know, offer of a job or paying family members. I've heard. I don't know. I don't know that for a fact. So I'm just saying. I know there's different things that can happen. So whatever. But how do all these people get rich when they? You know, they're. What are? Why are we not? One of the things that's amazed me is everybody would agree. Hey, you know what? There ought to be some laws about how much money people can take. But the people who make the laws who are taking the money are the ones who get to decide what the laws are. So all the rest of us like would agree that ought to happen, and yet it never happens. And then we, is there, how many of y'all would agree there should be term limits, that people should only be allowed to serve a certain amount of time? All right, a majority of people. And yet the people who decide whether there are term limits are the people who would be voting themselves out of a job. Well, how does that work? That doesn't seem right, but anyway, then, there you go. So and I ain't t- if you think I'm talking about one party over the other, I'm not. I don't think any of them ought to be able to serve for however many years. When you gotta be wheeled into a room to make a vote, you're there too long. I'm just sorry, I don't care. I mean, I get it if you broke your leg and you're gonna be there, but at some point, come on now. All right, but sorry, I know I'm, I'm, I'm straight already, so forgive me. Anyway, what, I, what I'm trying to say is that government is not a perfect thing to put your hope in, never is and never will be. And that's part of what I think we get sucked up into even as believers is we start thinking, well, if we can, if we can get these people in office, if we can get that guy elected, then it's all going to be better. And the, the bottom line is there's nobody out there that can fix the moral decay in our country. It has to be done individually and from within the country. And we have to be careful as believers because when you start thinking that this person, well, they could fix it. Or we, we got to get that person elected. You know, I can't tell you how many years now I've heard, well, if, if this person gets elected, they can get it, get it fixed. But if this person gets elected, America's over. I mean, we've been hearing that for how many years now? And the fact is, there's not a single person that has the ability to destroy America, and there's not a single person that has the, the ability to save America. Now, are there some better than others? Absolutely. All right. And I'm not going to get into candidates or who I think or whatever. You want to come ask me? I'll tell you what I think. But here's the deal. We should be involved and know who's running for office. And we ought to be trying to elect the very best people that we can. There's no doubt about that. We 100% should be. But don't be misled into thinking that there can be more than they really are or that they're the answer. The answer is Jesus. God's the only one. And, and, and you know what? 
I would love for there to be a, what this country needs is not a political revolution. It needs a revival. It needs a movement of God. And I think we're seeing pockets of it right now. But this country needs a movement of God to draw people back to the things of God. That's what would change this country. So be careful about selling out. I, I, I get it. Have your favorite candidate. Like him. Like him better than my favorite candidate. I don't care. But don't start thinking that there's some kind of savior. Because they're not. There's only one savior. That job's taken. His name's Jesus. Ain't no other saviors. Ain't no saviors coming. Okay? He's the one. And now he's going to come back, but he's the one. So beware of the system. And not only that, but at the end of those verses I just read to you, Felix wanted to gain favor with the Jewish people. So he left Paul in prison. He could have set him free. Now he's in the system now. And that's the thing about government is that government can be influenced by the people. And that's why we should be involved and let our voices be heard because that can be a positive thing. Now, are there times where there's an outcry and it leads in a wrong direction? Absolutely. That's why we should be allowing our voices to be heard as much as possible. But be careful in thinking that Politics is the answer. It's not. We need to be involved in it, but we should always trust God above and beyond whatever we see. When something doesn't go our way, well, you know what? God's got a plan. And here's something that I believe that I have a hard time living. All right, I'm going to tell you right now. It's when somebody gets elected that I think is a horrible candidate. I know that God can change their heart and move them however he wants, but I have a hard time feeling good about it. I, I'm, and I have a hard time really sometimes even living out that trust. I mean, I want to fix it, and I bet you do too. But we got to be careful because th there's no fixing it by human hands. There's just not. Paul did everything right, and he's still in prison two years later. He was left there because the public opinion around him didn't want him released. So how did Paul get through all that? I mean, those are some tough times. I, I, I mean, prison is one of the most difficult things. I've never been in prison, but I, it, it, it's hard to imagine. I mean, not being able to go where you want to go when you want to go there. I mean, that's a, that's a tough deal. And so how did he get through that? Well, go back to the very beginning in Acts 20, 24. He said, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news and the wonderful grace of God. And see, that's what Paul did. Even though he was unjustly imprisoned, imprisoned he didn't do anything. He didn't violate any Roman law. Even though they should have seen through the case and released him, he proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was innocent. He's still in prison. But you know what? He didn't pout about it. He didn't whine about it. But every time they brought him in front of somebody, he shared the gospel. And that has to be our number one purpose. It has to be first and foremost, is to share the gospel. The second thing is, being an American cannot be our first loyalty. 
mean, I, I told you already, I love my country. I mean, I, I, I love our flag. I love our history. I, I love what this country affords us. I love the, the ideals it was built on, the principles that were the foundation. I, I love those things. But it can't be our first loyalty. In Hebrews 11, 13 through 16, it says, All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. See, that's the thing about following Christ, is knowing that God has prepared a city for us. God has prepared a place for us to dwell in. And so as much as I love America, it's not first. It can't be. In 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So what is that telling us? That not only are we to live knowing our loyalty is to God's kingdom first, but we're to live in this world in a way that, that causes us to be of good repute. You know, in other words, we're, we are to follow the laws of our government. We are to do the right thing. We're not supposed to be tax cheats. Now, there, I'd be the first one to tell you, don't give the government any more than they're supposed to have. Take every deduction you can get. There's nothing spiritual about, well, I'm, I'm just not even going to do any deductions. I'm going to have 50% of my, I'm just going to give my, no. They're not smart with it, to be honest with you. <laughs> so take every legal deduction, but don't cheat on your taxes. You know what Jesus said? Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but don't give him any more. Just give him what, what he's supposed to give him, and don't give him any less. We're supposed to live in such a way that we live and have a good honorable reputation. We should follow the law. We don't get to just drive through, you know, and, and run through a bunch of stop signs when they pull us up. Well, it's for freedom. Jesus set me free. I don't care about no stop sign. We got to follow the law. We need to do the right thing. Okay. Now, having said that, Paul talks about submission to authority in Romans 13, one through five. Everyone must submit to governing, governing authorities. For all authority, it comes from God. In other words, it's established by God. It's God's design that there be government over America. That's his design. We see that in the Old Testament. God set it up that, hey, there, there's people that, there, there's a system, there's people, there's laws, there's people that enforce the laws. All those things have always been there. Authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. That one can challenge us sometimes. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live life without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they'll honor you. The authorities are God's servants, sent for your good. But if you're doing wrong, of course you should be afraid. 
for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. We are to submit to our governing authorities. We do that to keep a clear conscience. We do that for our reputation and to avoid punishment. But I also want you to understand that is, there are circumstances where we're not to be obedient to the law. Okay? And those are clearly shown through Scripture. Now, here's the, here to me is the test. When it comes down to obeying the government or obeying Jesus, always choose Jesus. But always obey the government if it doesn't cause you to be disobedient to Christ. Jesus told you to honor authorities. There's nothing spiritual about not, about, uh, about not stealing. We're supposed to not steal. Okay? We're supposed to not murder. We're spo- There's all kinds of things we're not supposed to do. We're supposed to follow the laws of the land. There's some laws that, hey, I'm, I don't particularly care for. I don't like paying sales tax. I don't like this. You know, I don't like those things. But I, I'm not being disobedient to Jesus by being obedient to the government. But then there are certain circumstances where you're going to have to make a choice. In Exodus 1, 15 through 18, then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives. Pharaoh was the, the governing authority over all Egypt. He says, when you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. So if you were to take that passage from Paul and go, well, you know, we have to submit to authorities, then they would go ahead and kill those babies. But there's a higher law there in place. There's a greater purpose. And so because the midwives feared God, and they knew that God's law was do not kill, do not murder So what did they do? They refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this, he demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? And you know what? Even at that point, they made up a story. They say, man, those those Hebrew women, they are just stout. We hear they're having a baby, and we go there. They don't have the baby, and they're back in the fields before we even get there. Well, that, you know, that wasn't necessarily true. But they disobeyed. They didn't follow the orders. And so what happened? Did God go, oh, well, you've disobeyed the Pharaoh, so you're going to be punished. In verse 20 and 21, it says, so God was good to the midwives. And the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. So they refused to yield to their governing authorities when it meant to be disobedient to God. Next, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the king brought everybody out and said, I'm going to play this song, and I want everybody to bow down to this image, this God that's, that's in my image up here. And so he brought them all out, and there, these guys wouldn't, wouldn't bend their knee. And he came and gave them another chance. I guess maybe you didn't hear what the, what the law was, And they said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty. See, they spoke respectfully that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. Now, 
Guess what happened? They got thrown into the fire. But we all know the story. They didn't burn. The only thing that burned were the ropes that were tying their hands together, and they walked out of the fire. As a matter of fact, King Nebuchadnezzar looked in there and said, said there's a, a fourth who looks like the Son of God. And many, including me, believe that it was Jesus in the fire with them. But Jesus was there. And he delivered them because they refused to bow their knee to a governing authority that commanded them to disobey God. The apostles in Acts 4, 18 through 20, the, the leadership tells them, just stop preaching. Stop telling about Jesus. And it says, so they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. And so they told them up front, we're not going to obey you. Because what you've told us is in opposition to the things of God. And that's one of the things as believers that we're going to have to have in mind going forward. I mean, I've seen laws and, and changes in our country over the last few years that I never dreamed were possible. Any of y'all, same way? I never, I never dreamed some of these things. I don't know where it's going. But there's some things I know. You know what? It's now the law of the land that marriage between homosexuals is legal. And there's been a lot of, of effort made to cause churches to have to honor that law or bakers to bake cakes. I don't, man, that dude in Colorado, that, that guy's been whatever. But here's the problem with that. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we don't care about people, we do. And we're not trying to be hateful, but if two people came to me and asked me to do that, I can't do that. And I don't care whether the law punishes me for it or not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to marry two people that the Bible clearly says cannot be married. Marriage is not, there's a, there's a higher institution here. Marriage didn't come from government, it came from God. Okay, for this reason a man shall leave his mother and father and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. That is a God institution. And I don't care what laws there are on the books, we cannot violate the principle of God's word because of a government edict. We have to say no. And that's a simple one. But there are others that may come down the pike. You know, there may come a time where they tell you you can't preach on a certain thing. There may be things they say we can't say. And at that point, we're going to have to determine, okay, where's my first loyalty? Who am I going to follow first? And it's always got to be Jesus. I love my country. I love this country. But Jesus is first. When I was saved, and when we, in a few moments, we're going to give people an opportunity to begin a relationship with Christ. And part of that is Romans 10, 9, and 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So here's the deal. When you become a Christian, you must, 
It's part of it. You declare Christ as first, superior, above everything else. And that means that no matter what happens, here's part of the problem that I see in Christianity. For years, maybe there were things we should have talked about in the pulpits or as Christians that we didn't. I mean, I remember growing up thinking, hey, there, you know, when you have family gatherings, you don't talk about politics. You, don't, you know, there were a couple things. Don't talk about religion. And maybe there were some of those things we should have been talking about through the years that we didn't. But now one of the things that concerns me is that we're becoming too tied to individuals or to parties or to whatever. And here's the deal. I, hey, I'll tell you, there's, there's a party that I lean way towards. I'm, I, I, look, I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm, politically, I'm somewhere a little bit to the right of Genghis Khan, just a little bit. I'm, I'm out there. But I'm also going to tell you this. I will vote for the one that I think will implement the policies that are closest to what I believe and what I believe honors God. But I don't really trust any of them all that much. Just going to be honest with you. I don't see none of them as a savior. Are there some good people there? I'm sure there are. But I, here's the deal. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll tell you who I'll vote for. I won't tell you up here, but I'll tell you if you come and ask me before the next presidential election, I'll tell you who I'm going to vote for. But here's the deal. If they do wrong, I'll, I'll be the first one to say it. Because my loyalty is beyond them. It's to Christ first. And I want them to do well. And I want America to do well. And I believe we should be educated on who the candidates are. And I think we should choose the one that most reflects our values and our beliefs and what we, what we want to see happen in this country. But be careful about becoming more loyal to them than you are to Jesus. And I get it. We get, man, we get inflamed. We get, dude, you can, all you got to do is watch the news. And I could get mad 150 times a day watching it. Anybody else? Something comes on, somebody says something, and man, I, man, my blood starts boiling. And so I've kind of determined I don't really watch news anymore, except weather, and even sports makes me mad now some, so I don't watch that as much. <laughs> but I, I'll watch, you know, and something going on like this last week, I'll turn on there and see what's going on. But be careful about letting so much in that it just grinds you up all the time. Because it's easy to just get in a state of mad. And when you do that, you start thinking, well, man, we got to, you know, they're doing this, so we're going to have to do this to fight that. And here's the thing. We want to honor God in everything we do and in everything we say. That should be first. Because here's the deal. Man's anger does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And so, should we be passionate about our country? Sure. But never to the point where we're willing to compromise the things of God. If we think, well, you know what, I, you know, I'm going to have to, I know this is wrong, but we got to get this done because this will be better. Stop. We need to be, we need to do right. And we need to honor God. And I, I'm not telling you to pull out a, but hey, we need to be, a voice. 
And we need to, to know what's going on and be educated and make wise decisions. But be careful. And remember that, that, that one little question. You know what, am I, am I an American that's kind of got a little bit of Jesus thrown in? Or am I a follower of Christ that's got some red, white, and blue thrown in? And that's not always an easy question to answer, is it? But we need to continually ask ourselves that question because Jesus has got to be first. And here's the little secret. Jesus is the winning way. We're going to win. Follow him. America's not guaranteed to win, particularly if they don't follow God. I wish our nation would turn back and follow the things of God. But if they won't, we're going to fail. And ain't no stopping that. But following God, we're going to win. And so let's make sure who's first. Jesus said in John 18, 36, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. You know, and that, that's the thing. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but I'd have fought. I mean, I might have gone down fast, I don't know. But if I'd have been there and Jesus said, hey, don't let them take me, I'd have fought. Jesus told him not to. And you know what? He didn't need them to fight. That's the thing. You know, when they came up to him and they, they asked him if he was Jesus, and he said who, who he was, he said, I am he. You know, in the Bible it says that they took a step back and bowed, every single one of them. Because if Jesus didn't want to go to the cross, he didn't need people to fight for him. He was God. All he had to do was say, I am he. And they would back off and fall to their knees and he could have walked off if he'd have wanted to. But he chose not to because his kingdom was not of this world. He chose to go to the cross because he loved us. And because he wanted us to be free. And he wanted us to know salvation. That's the God I follow. That's the one who has my loyalty. He chose to lay down his life for me and for you. And you know what if that means? That choosing his way, I end up having to go to jail? Fine. I mean, I don't like the prospect of jail, but if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. If it means that things, it's going to make me uncomfortable in life, fine. That's the one I'm going to follow. Now, I want my country to do well. I love my country. But my first loyalty is to Christ. What we want to do now is give anyone who's, who does not have a relationship with Jesus an opportunity to begin one. And, you know, maybe you, you've, you've tried to be a good person. Hey, that's awesome. Maybe you've even been coming to church for a while. But the question is not, are you a good person? Because the Bible tells us clearly that nobody can be good enough. It tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No matter how good you are, it's not perfect. And perfection is what's required. 
God knew we couldn't be perfect. That's why Jesus came, and that's why he died on the cross. And so some of you may be thinking, well, you know what, man? I, I, need, to, I need to go fix some things first. Here's the deal. You don't get free of sin by going, you don't come to Christ by going, hey, I'm going to go knock a couple of these things out and get free of them and then come back to Jesus. You can't get free of them. The only way to be freed from sin is to come to Christ as you are, even burdened with sin. You turn away from it, that's what the word repent means, and you turn to Christ. He's the one that can set you free from the power of sin. He's the only one. So you come and you admit you're a sinner, you ask forgiveness, and then the second thing is you got to believe that Jesus is God's son. He wasn't just some guy, he's God's son. He died on the cross for your sins and for mine, and he rose on the third day to show the entire world that he's exactly who he says he is, and also to give us life. His resurrection gives us life, eternally, through him. And then the last thing is what we've been talking about a lot today. You gotta confess Jesus as Lord. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if you've not done those things, we want to give you an opportunity to do it today. And so in just a moment, I'm going to lead you in a brief prayer of salvation, and you can pray it in your heart. God will hear you. But you can just repeat what I said, or you can pray it in your own words, whatever you're most comfortable with. But if you'd like to know today that your sins are forgiven, that you are at peace with God in right relationship with him and that that will be forever, then I wanna invite you to pray this prayer of salvation. I'm gonna ask everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes. If that's you, pray this with me right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. I know I'm a sinner Forgive me of my sins. Come in my heart and life. Cleanse me. And make me yours. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day according to the scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my savior and I confess him as my Lord. Now, without anybody looking around, here's all I'm gonna ask you to do. You're not gonna have to stand up. I don't want you to say anything in front of anybody. All I want you to do is I'd like to pray for you and encourage you if you prayed that prayer today. If you prayed it today and you meant it, I want you to look up at me so I can encourage you and pray for you. Just look up at me and keep looking until I see you. Make eye contact. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. It is important that you tell someone. There's a number on the screen. You can just text that word to it that you see right above it. There's also a QR code there you can open with your phone. 
which is also in your bulletin. So if you'd rather just do it when you get home or when you leave, that's fine too. But let us know. We're not gonna ask anything from you, but we will contact you. We would love to set up a time to talk to you in person or over the phone, answer any questions, and talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. We're not gonna put you on a mailing list or bug you. We really just love helping people that have begun a new relationship with Christ. And we would love to help you. So right now I wanna pray for you. And for those who've made decisions recently, we got a few baptisms after this service we're gonna celebrate. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your love. And Father, I thank you for those that have come today to trust you. I pray, God, that you continue to bless them and guide them and teach them. And Father, thank you for bringing them here to be a part of, of our church so that we could be a part of their journey to you. And Lord, we also thank you for America and for the ways that it has um, allowed us to speak freely of who you are and to worship in freedom. And Father, I pray that America would, as a nation, that we would return unto you to the things of God, that we would reject immorality and sin, and that, Father, we would repent and turn to you as a country. And Father, we thank you for the freedoms we have here, and we thank you for the blessings. And Father, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.